0: Our scripture passage for today comes from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 through 19. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive. And whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall find our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among them. We will all have one person, purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Amen. Thanks be to God. Good to see all of you guys. Welcome to NCF's in-person service. And of course, thank you for those of you who are watching at home. So delighted to have you join us on this Lord's Day. Would you now bow your heads and Ask for God to be with us in today's worship service. Father, we pray for your grace and your mercy to be upon us. After finishing another week, we come to you now weary and yet ready to receive the refreshing, renewing, redeeming word that allows your people to not only to be sustained, but to have hope as we live in this world filled with such sorrow, with such strain. <coughs> God, we need your word to speak to us yet again so that we may once again be people of light living out the call of being a blessing to the world. Father, we also pray for those who are our guests, those who are here at the invitation of a mutual friend, coworker, or family member. We pray that you will minister to all of us no matter what stage of our faith we may be in. And we ask, oh God, now that you will bless this message in spite of the one who brings it. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Every Thursday morning, my older two daughters, Kara and Leah, go to their weekly ballet class. First, Leah starts off, and then right after, her older daughter, older sister, Kara, takes the next class. And one of the beautiful benefits of having them... Back-to-back classes like that is every now and then their ballet teacher will have them do a duet number together. Just recently they had one and they danced to the song, You Got a Friend in Me. Do you guys remember that song from the toy Story? You Got a Friend in Me? The lyrics go like this, You got a friend in me, you got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed, you just remember what your old pal said, Boy, you got a friend in me. It's a beautiful song, and yet one that I find personally unable to relate to, at least not anymore as I used to. And I would venture to guess that that is probably the case for most, if not all, of you. Why? Well, according to sociologists, it turns out more and more Americans are having a harder and harder time of holding on to their friends as well as making new ones. And there are a wide variety of reasons, according to them, of why this is so. We're constantly moving around. We're such a mobile society where we go from job to job, neighborhood to neighborhood, city to city, to where we cannot have the rootedness required to forge friendships. Or we're so busy working so hard. You know, it's not unheard of for many of us to be working 70, 80, 90 hours a week to where we barely have enough time for our own family, let alone our friends and speaking our family. You know how hard it is to raise young kids, especially in a city like this? It is so difficult, it is so draining that the idea of hanging out with the fellas, being with the ladies just seems like a ridiculous wish list. And then there's the irony of social media, a technology that promised to bring us together and yet it's done the exact opposite. It's further isolated us from one another. There's so many reasons and variables as to why we as a culture, as a society, are not able to form and fortify our friendships. And because that is so, many people within our culture have come to the conclusion that when it comes to friends, it's not necessary. Not that important. I am fine without them. Thank you very much. But is that true? Is that something that the Bible would validate? We're continuing our sermon series through the book of Proverbs. And today... We're going to see in our passage that that kind of conclusion with regard to friendship is absolutely wrong. Why? Because the thesis of today's sermon is basically this. One of the main reasons, according to the Bible, as to why the world is so cruel, so corrupt, so cold, it's because of bad friendships. Let me say that again. The Bible tells us that one of the main reasons as to why the world is so cruel, so corrupt, so cold, is because of bad friendships think of violent gangs think of corrupt political parties think about illicit affairs what do they all have in common they all center on terrible bad friendships friendships that should not exist because it causes so much pain and misery to those around them which means what it means that if we as a community want to reduce the cruelty, if we want to undermine the callousness and the coldness, if we want to get rid of the corruption, we must forge good friendships that does the exact opposite, that brings blessing to those around us. And here today, the author of this proverb, King Solomon, he's going to tell us the prerequisite required of building these kinds of good friendships by telling us the reasons why we tend to have bad friendships. He wants to show us the reasons that are so common to so many as to why people end up with the friends that they should not be having in the hopes that we would do the opposite and instead bring hope and renewal to the world instead of heartache and havoc. So with that in mind, three things that I'd like to share with you, three reasons Solomon tells us as to why most people end up with bad friends. First, people deny their need for friendship. People deny their need for friendship. Second reason, people delude themselves as entitled. And finally, people dismiss the teachings of God. The three reasons, according to Solomon, why people end up with terrible friends that causes so much terror in the world is because people deny their need for friendship, they delude themselves as entitled, and they dismiss the teachings of God. Let's begin with the first point. First, people deny their need for friendship. Read again with me verses 8 and 10. Where it reads, hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Okay, come on back. Here we just read in these three verses many things, okay? But one particular thing that we have noticed is that this son that is being referenced here, seems to come from a very good and stable home. How do we know this? Because look at the words of the parents, both from mom and dad. What kind of words are they conveying, communicating to their son? Aren't they words of kindness, words of comfort, words of counsel, words of care? In other words, these words indicate that this son comes from a very beautiful, harmonious, loving supportive family and because that is so it makes you scratch your head why do these parents feel the need to give the warning that they do in verse 10 to their son read it again my son if sinners entice you do not consent don't be their friends why in the world would these parents give this warning to their son knowing that this is such a beautiful home because don't we say all the time that if children grow up with loving parents if they have a nice stable family culture that they will not be tempted in any way, they will never be allured, they'll never fall into the wrong crowd? Well, by virtue of the existence of this verse, that tells us, no, that belief is absolutely wrong. Now, don't misunderstand. Don't assume that you know what these parents are doing because by giving this warning to their son, they're not implying to the son or to us that he's the black sheep of the family and therefore he's a troublemaker and will gravitate towards other troublemakers or other black sheep of society, no. No. Actually, this is a very insightful verse because by giving this warning to their son, they are telling the son and through him all of us a universal human need, a universal human need. And that is the universal need for friendship, the universal need for friendship. We need to understand that you and I have a universal need to have friends. I don't care if you're antisocial. I don't care if you're introverted to the extreme. You need friends okay and it's a need that you must recognize why because just like the rich can exploit the needs of the poor to where they can get the poor to do things they normally wouldn't do so also the wicked can exploit the needs of those who need friendship which is everyone to where they would end up befriending those that they normally would not befriend and when you understand this and when you grasp this then you discover another hidden warning beneath the warning of verse And you know what that warning is? It's basically this. Son, Christian, human being, never, ever deny your need for friendship. The underlying warning behind the warning of verse 10 is do not deny your need for friendship. Think with me here. Let's say a poor person all of a sudden comes into a lot of money. Let's say he wins the lotto, she wins the lotto, and now overnight millionaire. Now they are no longer capable of being led to do something they normally wouldn't do by the allurement of the rich because that need is no longer there. So also, if this son had a great group of friends, very supportive, very empowering, then the wicked would have no way of enticing him to befriend them. But let's say... This son grows up, and he acquires the conclusion many of us have acquired when it comes to friendship. Friends, who needs them? I sure don't. I'm fine with just me, myself, and I. I'm just going to mind my own business, stay to myself, and I don't need friends. I'll be fine. What has that son done? He has now created a need, and now he has created a vulnerability to where because he chooses not to recognize, because he is denying his need for friendship, he has exposed himself in such a way that the wicked can use it against him to where he would end up befriending those he knows he should not. All because of his denial. And Christian, this is something that I believe we really need to take to heart because sad to say from my many years of serving as a pastor, I have seen so many Christians adopt this mindset that so many in our culture have believed in, that friends are just not needed, that friends are not necessary. Take a listen to this quote from Pastor Drew Hunter as he comments, quote, We've hollowed out and trivialized friend and friendship. These words now rest lightly on our imaginations. When we honor our closest relationships, we're quicker to grab familial language like brother and sister than friend. I heard someone say to a tight-knit group of Christians, we're not just friends, we're family. That's true. And the Bible does reference family more than friends, but why the quote, just? Friendship didn't seem strong enough to uphold the weight of the moment. Friendship often seems light, frothy, and sentimental. Friendship quotes sound cliche. Old friends warm the heart with a little help from my friends. Friends are flowers in the garden of life. Charming, perhaps, but not compelling. We've also connected it to other trivial words, chum, pal, buddy. We've also stretched out the word friend, making it a broad but shallow term, like a rubber band stretched too far, too long. Friend is no longer strong enough to hold our closest companions and So many in the church have dismissed and therefore denied the universal need that we all have for friendship. And by doing that, what do you do? You have created a vacuum within yourself. A vacuum that the wicked is very eager to fill in, namely with themselves, to where you now have become friends with them. And as a result, the people who really matter in your life, the people you really care about, they suffer the consequences of these new friends that you have in your life, you see? And they suffer because of it. Here's what you need to understand. Proverbs tells us that when you carry this denial that you don't need friends, not only do you close yourself off to the good kinds of friends you need, but you open yourself up to the bad kinds of friends you shouldn't want at all in your life. Now, I know you hear that and you're like, This sounds a little bit weird to me, Pastor, because it sounds so random, so arbitrary. Why would denying your need of friends open yourself to specifically, exclusively just bad friends? I mean, why isn't it possible for someone who's in denial of friendship just stay isolated? Or better, why not they could end up with good friends? What is it about the mechanism of denying your need for friendship that will always lead you to just bad friends and never good ones or just Left to yourself. That's a great question. And to answer, let me go to my next point. People delude themselves as entitled. Read again with me, verses 11 to 14, where it says, Come with us. Let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will have one purse. Here we read what happens to a person when they deny their need for friendship it starts a dangerous chain reaction where the first step of this chain reaction is you become incredibly greedy. When you deny your need for friendship, you transform into an incredibly greedy person. Consider some of the words that were employed in those verses I just read. Precious goods, plunder, purse, the common words usually associated with those who are so obsessed of getting more and more and more, even if it means they have to hurt others to get it. Solomon is saying, when you start denying your need for friendship, you will become a greedy person. Now, I know that sounds absurd on the surface, right? Why in the world would a person denying friendship be greedy? Yeah, I can understand them becoming antisocial, a hermit, keeps it themselves, a homebody. But why a greedy person? That just doesn't sound right. Ah, but if you read through the book of Proverbs and you understood it well, you would know that what I'm telling you is absolutely spot on. And to help those of you who don't see it, consider these insightful words from pastor scholar Hugh Black. Listen to what he says about Proverbs. Quote, the book of Proverbs might also be called a treatise on friendship. There is no book, even in classical literature, which so exalts the idea of friendship and is so anxious to have it truly valued and carefully kept. And, quote, it turns out when it comes to the book of Proverbs, It elevates friendship to the most precious treasure of all to where Proverbs says, if you want to know what the most valuable thing of all in all of God's creation, it's friendship. Why? Because according to Proverbs, God created you to desire the greatest treasure of all, to value the most valuable thing of all. And according to Proverbs, it's friendship, okay? God designed you to desire the most valuable thing of all, which according to Proverbs is friendship. But let's be honest. Who of us in here have ever thought that way? Hmm? Let me ask you an honest question. Whenever you ask yourself this particular question, I know you have, what's going to make me more happy? What's going to make me more fulfilled? What has been your honest answer? Was it friendship or was it money? Hmm? I'm willing to bet, no pun intended, that it's money right maybe not maybe you're not greedy for money maybe you're not one of those people but i'm sure you're greedy of something else status power reputation influence followers oh yes we are all greedy for something to where we want more of something regardless of so much of what we currently have why think with me here if it is true that God created friendship to be the greatest treasure of all to where he designed you to desire it more than anything else, but you substitute friendship with something far inferior, now the God-given desire for friendship, what happens? It gets twisted and perverted because you're directing it towards this inferior thing, and now the desire for friendship gets twisted and perverted to where it turns into greed. Do you see? Or let me put it another way. When you devalue friendship, And when you overvalue the substitute that you put instead of friendship, the desire, God-given, built-in desire for friendship gets twisted and perverted into greed. You see? Now do you understand the cause and effect relationship of how denial for friendship leads to greed? And when you find yourself in this greedy condition, then you open yourself up to unseemly characters to be your quote-unquote friends. Why? Because through these quote-unquote friends, you can get more of what you're greedy for, right? It goes without saying, greedy people, they have a lot of friends. Oh, yes, indeed, greedy people have quote-unquote friends. But the reason why they have those friends is because they want these friends to provide, to give, to fortify the things they're greedy for. Once these friends no longer come through, once these friends can no longer provide what that person is greedy for, those friendships are done. Proverbs even fortifies this belief. Listen to what it says. Proverbs 19, verse 4. Wealth makes many friends. Poverty drives them away. The relatives of the poor despise them. How much more their friends avoid them? Though the poor plead with them, their friends are gone. The greedy will never have friends for the sake of friendship. No, they will have friends with those who will allow them to be enabled, enabled, And expand a thing that they are greedy for. And here's the thing. Because that is so, the more this greedy person has those kinds of friends, the more sinister their greed becomes. And then you move on to the second part of the chain reaction. That greed morphs into violent entitlement. Violent entitlement. Read again what it says in verse 16. Their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood this is a description of a very violent person and why is this person so violent they're violent because they're so angry that the thing that they feel so entitled to is gotten in the way of by somebody else even if unintentionally and they get so furious that they feel justified in harming and hurting that person whether it's ruining their reputation or maybe going so far as to killing them You see, this is why bad friendships always leads to destruction because it creates this chain reaction of insatiable greed that leads to a violent sense of entitlement. This is the second reason so many end up with bad friendships because their denial of their need for friendship creates this terrible chain reaction that ultimately leads to a deluded and violent sense of entitlement that causes nothing but havoc and harm to the people around them. All because of that bad greed, the perverted desire for friendship that is moving in the hearts of so many. It's a terrible situation to be in. And the question is, how do we make sure none of us in here end up that way, or even better, how do we get out of it if we are in it already? Well, in order to answer that question, I have to go into the other reason why so many of us end up in bad friendships. Because in there, we find the answer. This leads me to the final point. People dismiss the teachings of God. Read again verse 8 and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Here, the parents are imploring their son, right, listen, to your father's instruction. Don't forsake your mother's teaching, right? They're commanding their child to always abide by their teachings, instructions. Why? Because they are trying to communicate something about the son that's also true of every one of us. And that is the other reason why so many end up with bad friends. People like this son, like you and me, we constantly dismiss the teachings of God. We dismiss the teachings of God. Now, you might be thinking, wait, don't you mean dismiss the teachings of the parents? Because you just read, Pastor, that they're asking the son to not forsake mom's teaching and father's instruction. This says nothing about God's teaching. What do you think the content of mom and dad's instruction and teaching is? Do you know what the main content of mom and dad's teaching is to their child? For those of you who don't know, let me read to you the verse preceding the ones that I just read, verse 7 of chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, full despise wisdom and instruction. When the book of Proverbs speaks of the father's instructions and mother's teaching, those are synonyms for the teachings of God. Do you know why? Why? Because Proverbs and really the whole Bible tells us that the primary role, the primary responsibility of a parent is this. To teach your children to obey God, to know God, and to love God. That is your job, mom and dad. That is your main job. To teach your children to know God, to obey God, and to love God. And so when we read here this imploring command, don't forsake mother's teaching. Don't ignore the hearing of your father's instruction. Don't dismiss the teachings of God, because if you do, you're going to end up in a very bad place, such as having a lot of bad friends. That's no good for you. And it's certainly no good for those who you deeply love and cherish. Right. And if you think about it, it makes so much sense, because what is arguably the main message, the main teaching of all of God's teaching? Do you know what is arguably the main teaching of all of God's teaching? Couldn't you arguably say it's forgiveness and mercy, right? I mean even if you just confine yourself to the book of Proverbs, you hear that teaching over and over, forgive, be merciful. Let me prove it to you. Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. Proverbs 16, 16. Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. By fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. Proverbs 17:9. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Proverbs 24, starting in verse 17. Don't rejoice when your enemy falls. Don't be happy when they stumble, for the Lord will be displeased with you, and he will turn his anger away from them. Finally, Proverbs 25, verse 21. If your enemies are hungry give them food to eat if they are thirsty give them water to drink over and over proverbs is constantly teaching this idea be merciful be forgiving all the time why because it's when you are merciful it's when you are forgiving that you, ab- you are able to create and cultivate great friendships let me say that again it's when you're forgiving it's when you're merciful that you're able to create and cultivate great friendship, and hence you're able to experience the best of friendships. But conversely, if you never forgive, if you never extend mercy, you will never experience how great, how awesome, how good friendships can be. And as a result, you will come to the erroneous conclusion, friends, I don't need them. I don't want them in my life. They're not that important. Sound familiar? Now we have come full circle. Now we understand what causes the denial for our need for friendship in the first place. You see? See, people deny their need for friendship because they have never experienced how great friendships can be. And people don't experience how great friendships can be because they have never extended mercy and forgiveness. And the reason people don't extend mercy and forgiveness is because they ignore the teachings of God. Don't you see? The teachings of God is at the root of all that is good, and it's the dismissing of the teachings of God that is at the root of all that is bad in the world, including why many have so many terrible friends around them. Which means if you want to experience the kinds of friendship that really is beautiful, that is life-giving, not only to you but the people around you, It begins with that starting point of taking God's teaching seriously, which means taking the word of God to heart and not being dismissive of it, you see? But the question is, how do you get to a point where you don't dismiss God's word? The answer is simple. It's by believing the gospel. Believing the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the message that says the most important thing of all the most important, valuable thing that you need to desire above all desires is a friendship, specifically a friendship with God. That is why God created friendship to be your greatest treasure, because it's pointing to the greatest treasure of all, friendship with your maker. But here's the sad truth. Because of our selfishness, Because of our perversity, because of our darkness, because of our hatred, because of our arrogance, because of our sins, God has every right to want nothing to do with us. He has every right to unfriend us and leave us in our misery. But our God doesn't do that. You know what our God does? He lives by his own teachings because he is a God of integrity. And he extends forgiveness. He extends mercy to all of us. How? By coming into the world as Jesus Christ, as a man, so that he could suffer the full penalty, the full punishment for all of your sins and my sins, past, present, and future, resulting in us becoming friends of God. This is exactly what Jesus was getting at when he once uttered these words recorded in John 15. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love and to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command, if you listen to my word, if you follow my teachings. And notice what Jesus says is the ultimate reason why he extends forgiveness and mercy that results in us being friends with God. Because he loves us, you see? Here's the thing. When you encounter, when you experience, and when you embrace God's love for you in Jesus Christ, You're going to want to understand this love. How do you do that? You study the word. You listen to its teaching. You believe every promise. You obey every command. You hold fast to every hope that it gives you. And you take the word of God seriously. And the more you know of this love, the more you will remember it, the more you will relish it, and the more you will imitate it to where now your friendships take on the same characteristic that your friendship with Jesus does. There's more forgiveness, there's more mercy, and now there is a friendship that is not only good for you, but is good for the people around you, you see? This is how good friendships are forged. This is how we're able to forsake our greed. This is how we're able to untwist and purify our greed back to the desire it's meant to be. Friendship To each other, but most importantly, friendship to the Lord. Doesn't it make sense when Jesus said that the greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. What is that? That is language of friendship, but then he doesn't leave it there. He says that has consequences, good consequences. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is the reason why you exist. And that is what makes this world what God intended it to be. But here's my question, Christian. Have you lived that out by prioritizing the friends that you need in your life and forsaking the ones that you should never have had in the first place? Let it begin with you believing this beautiful gospel so that you can start this beautiful journey of being surrounded by people who will bless you and through that friendship bless those around you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us to really hear and heed today's message. Father, so often there are things that hinder and halt our ability to embrace each other as friends, to grow and to cultivate the kind of friendships that not only that we need, but the world needs through those friendships. Father, so many of us have just prioritized, just isolating ourselves, just being alone or worse being with those who not only bring harm to our loved ones, but harm to this world. God, forgive us and help us to truly learn from these words and also from our failures and the ways in which we have befriended those around us. Help us to see the beauty of friendship. Help us to prioritize it and help us to do it right by looking to the greatest friendship of all, the one that we share with you in Jesus Christ. For we pray in his holy name, amen. And amen. We're now going to give. The